0: Uh, here's what drives me nuts, okay? People love to hate on Subway. I don't mind Subway. Uh, but here's what I do mind about Subway. They've rolled out their new menu, okay? And uh, if I can step on a soapbox for just a little bit. They have all these professional athletes that are advertising their new menu and how it is like this high performance, like, I can perform my best because I eat Subway. And you got Steph Curry up there, arguably one of the greatest basketball players of this generation, maybe any generation. Okay, and he's holding the sub, and the dude is at peak performance when it comes to athleticism. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, Steph, there's not a chance you have ever eaten a Subway sub in your <laughs> entire life. It's just obvious the way he doesn't even know how to hold it. The man has probably never touched bread. Uh, who holds a sub like this, unless... I, I, And so it's just obvious that what he is selling, what he's, uh, if I can, evangelizing, sharing the news of, uh, has had zero interaction with his life whatsoever, and it's just obvious. Okay, Let let me turn a corner and bring that over to our text in Acts 22 today. Uh, Today, we're talking about testimonies, and uh, Paul finds himself in a similar situation that he has found himself in time and time again as we've gone through Acts, and that is the religious establishment doesn't like that he's preaching the good news of Jesus, and so they try and find some way to capture him, and then uh, somehow, the the Spirit of God moving in his life, uh, he's able to be released. And... (coughs) And uh, what we see Paul do in the, in the moment of like, ooh, I'm, my back's kind of against the wall. And, and Paul's obligation is to be a witness, just like our obligation is to be a witness. Uh, what Paul does in this moment, he's like, I don't know what else to do. And he goes, well, let me just share my testimony. Let me share my story of conversion. Let's uh, walk through it together to see what he does a little bit. Uh, Chapter 22, we'll start in verse 3. It says, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of uh, Cilicia, but brought up in this city. I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors and was just as zealous for God as many of you are today. And so his first point is like, I grew up here, I'm from here. And then he points to his education. He got one of the most prestigious educations under one of the most prestigious uh, Jewish people in in that day. And so he's like, I've got it all. Like, I'm a hometown boy. I've got the the credentials uh, to point back to how much I had going for me. And then he goes on to say, and I persecuted the followers of this way to their death arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. As the high priests and all the council can testify to themselves, I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. Paul's reflecting back on his life prior going, I was trained, I had all the education, and I was actively persecuting, not just like making things really hard for them, but putting people who were following the way, putting people who were following Jesus, putting them to death. It was ugly. And then he begins to share the story. He says, about noon, I was headed towards Damascus, and suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the response is this. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. My companions, the people with him, saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go to Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. And a man named Ananias came to see me, and he was a devout observer of the law, highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight, and at that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear the words from his mouth. And so, therefore, you will be his witness to all the people of what you have seen and heard. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, wash your sins away, calling on his name. And the rest, since that happened in Acts chapter 9, the rest is, as they say, history. Now, it's uh, an interesting thing to go like, this story, pretty much verbatim, was already in the book of Acts. I preached on this, uh, I think it was Easter morning, Acts chapter 9. seems a little redundant that it would be included in, uh, in here again and say there's not really any new information added. There's not really anything where it's like, oh, now we understand a deeper part of Paul's story. Paul is a bad person. He persecuted Jesus' followers. Jesus met him on the road to Damascus, on his way to persecute people, and then his life was transformed. He surrendered his life to Jesus, and he said, okay, I'm giving everything to you, and I'll follow you now. And then as a result, we saw uh, signs and wonders and miracles and all this stuff taking place because Paul was faithful. Paul surrendered his life to Jesus. Now, we talk about sub-shops, we talk about all that stuff at the beginning, but here's the reality of what our testimony, what we're assigning our name and our value to. Our story, here's why I think it's in there twice, our story points towards the transformative power of God in our lives. We can say all day long, God can, God can, God could, God will, all this stuff, but it becomes far more intimately involved in our lives and far more powerful when we have the ability to say, God did. God did. Look what God did in my life. I was a wreck and and he delivered me from that. I was all sorts of sideways and and he pointed me in the right direction. I was broken and he offered me wholeness. I was lost and, and he came along and he found me. Our testimonies, the ways that we share God working in our life, bears witness, just like we're called to do, to God's transformative power. And not in some abstracted, like he could, uh, maybe it's happened in scripture somewhere before, but in like a really real and concrete and tangible way for people to see and experience. So today we're talking about testimony. We're talking about testimonies, uh, and when I say testimonies, I mean people sharing who God is to them and what God has done in their life. And I think sometimes, we're going to explore a couple dynamics this morning, but I think sometimes uh, we're like, I don't know exactly what that looks like for me. I don't exactly know how to go about sharing that. And here's a couple things I want us to consider as we, as we consider uh, sharing our testimonies. Uh, Thing number one, if we're going to display God's transformative power for the world to see in our lives, uh, we have to actually have experienced that transformation. That sounds like a silly thing, but what I hear the world saying over and over again, and I see it inside of me, I see it inside of us, I see it inside of Jesus' followers, uh, but what I hear the world saying over and over again is, okay, I hear you saying one thing, and then I see you doing another thing. It, it, it's a little duplicitous. Like, I, I hear you saying that, like, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I have hope. I have direction. I have all this stuff. And it sounds like this, like, yeah. And then, and then Jesus, Jesus folk are, like, bitter and angry and hostile and, and the words we use about people in public spheres are like ugly and not representative of the transformation that we're raising our hand and going, I've experienced this. And so if you're like, I don't know what my testimony is, this is an invitation today. It's an invitation to go, maybe there's a part of your life, and we've talked about this. I I talked about the sword uh, that we're holding above the water that we're going, God, you can have every part of me except for this part of me. Maybe this morning there's an invitation for you to see and experience God's transformative power in that area of your life. To go, there's something that you have not surrendered along the way, and God wants it, and he's worthy of it because he's better than anything you can surrender to So our lives, and and this is, here's the thing, grace on grace. We're never going to get it 100% of the time. We're never going to get the total package pieced together. But Lord willing, as we develop into maturity, there's going to be bits and pieces of us that slowly over time, I hope that at 60, I represent Jesus more fully than I do at 30. I just, if I'm headed, if I'm plateaued or, or, or it's the opposite direction, something has gone awry in my life. And so, no, we're never going to have it all together. But by golly, we should at least be trending in the right direction. So we have to be transformed. We have to experience transformation. And then the second thing is we have to be vulnerable. Now, this is hard. In, uh, in white, Midwestern culture, <coughs> we love to construct facades. We love to construct Fences, Instagram, Facebook, everything's wonderful. I don't yell at my kids. I've never experienced anything hard. We say all this, like we, don't, we don't say those things, but we pretend like they're real, that we don't have struggles, that we don't have things that God is active, actively redeeming or delivering. <clears throat> and so we have to experience transformation, but then we have to be willing to be vulnerable. Vulnerable and go you know what my life was in a really really dark place things were ugly and, and and god met me in that space god met me in the brokenness god met me in the ugly and he took me picked me up just like we sang and he set my feet upon a rocky Scooped me out of the muck and the mire that was my life, and he said, "You have value. You have purpose. You have meaning. But in order for us to do that, we have to be vulnerable enough to go. There was some muck and there was some mire. Things were pretty ugly." I think we're hesitant, (laughs) I think we're hesitant to share parts of our life like this because we assume that people are going to be looking at us for the muck and the mire. We assume that people are going to be looking at us for, can you believe the ugly that was going on in their life? But I just want to propose to us today that instead I think people might be drawn to the magnificence and the majesty of the God that saved us from those things. That God was able to take the ugly and the broken and scoop us up and, and love us through it all and say, I've got a better way for you. This way uh, leads to death. It doesn't lead to human flourishing. Instead, I'm going to offer you life. But that takes a, a certain measure of vulnerability. Vulnerability. But when we've we've gone from death to life, what do we have to hold back at that point? Paul says in uh, in his letter that we were uh, dead in our trespasses and sins. But because God is rich in mercy, he brings us back to life. And so who cares about the stuff? Who cares about the stuff, the ugly and the broken? We have something far greater to fix our eyes on in the person of Jesus. So we experience transformation, we share that transformation, uh, and we're vulnerable about, vulnerable about what God brought us from. So it'd be really easy for me to, in this space, uh, just preach about uh, what a testimony is. But I figured it would uh, behoove us all to just instead hear some of our testimonies. Uh, to hear how God has worked in our lives, how God has redeemed us. And we're going to approach this from a couple different angles today. Okay? Uh, angle number one, I'm going to invite Brian to, to come up. Brian Carpenter um, has been hanging out with us for a little while, um, uh, works for FCA, um, hanging out with uh, Vermilion County High Schools, um, giving some leadership and direction there. And I invited Brian to share uh, his story from the perspective of this is what it looked like for God to uh, to like save me, to pick me up out of the muck and mire, set my feet upon the rock. Um, and this is what that story looked like for me. Now, I here's what I want to say before we hear these stories today. Okay? Sometimes we can approach this gathering as like a oh we heard a cool example of someone's story. But I want us to, as we hear these stories today, I want us to move past the point of that was a neat example. Paul in here did give some like, it wasn't some three point, like his sermon when he was on trial was, here's what God did for me. So I want us to move past the point of that was a neat story and move into a point of god is ministering to me uh is like wow god is so good because of what we saw what we experienced and what we heard so i'm gonna turn it over to to our friend brian and uh just hear uh what god did in his life and then we've got another one that's going to head a little bit in a different direction
1: first of all uh good morning everybody uh thank you jordan for uh jordan reached out oh about a week or so ago and asked if I would uh, would do this, and I thought about it for about five minutes and said, sure, why not, let's do it. I haven't shared my story very often with a whole lot of people, um, other than those that I know really well. Um, I know a lot of you in here, very few of you do I know very well. Uh, so this is a little, not intimidating, but but a little different uh, setting for, for me to do this. Um, so, Jordan, I just want to thank you again for, for allowing me to, to be a part of this today. And, and so I just want to start with this is that we all have a story. Um, and yes, I am keeping an eye on that clock back there because Jordan told me, he goes, you got 10 minutes. I was like, if you know me and my story, 10 minutes isn't enough. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to do the best I can in, in, uh, in that 10-minute frame. But, uh, but everybody has a story. Everybody uh, sitting in this room downstairs, everybody has a story, a personal story. None of them are the same. None of them are the same. Uh, some are similar, maybe, but none of them are the exact same. That just, that just shows you the, the glory of God and how big God really is. Because, I mean, just do me a favor real quick. Just look around at everybody, your neighbor sitting next to you. I only see really two people in this room that look alike and they're my daughters. They look alike. I mean, as they get older, I'm having a hard time. It's like I'm reverted back to when they were born. I couldn't tell them apart, but they're not the same person. Their stories are different. So enough preaching. As Jordan told me, he goes, all right, it's dangerous to give a preacher a mic. So for those of you who don't know, uh, I am used to be in ministry, uh, church ministry, I should say. Um, for 14 years, I served as the student pastor at uh, Crossroads Christian Church. Up until uh, last year, um, I joined the staff with Fellowship Christian Athletes here in Vermont County. That's the present. How I got there, that's what I'm going to try to cover in 10 minutes. So my story begins, I was born a preacher's kid. I was a PK. Any, any PKs in here? a boy. He's far better PK than I was, I bet. <laughs> But preacher's kids, if you know anything about them. How many of you know a preacher's kid besides Jordan? Yeah. They get a bad rap, don't they? Preacher's kids get a bad rap. We do. I was the kid when I was little that when my dad was up here preaching, I'm the kid that I would sit in the back row and then next thing you know, I was the rotten little dude that crawled underneath the pews to the front row. I was that preacher's kid. And then my dad would look at me because I'd poke my head out right there, and then he'd just give me that look, and I would slither back down to the back. But I grew up in a Christian home. I, I grew up knowing who God is, and I grew up knowing who Jesus is. So it wasn't anything, this, this, is, a, this is one of those kind of, uh, you know, as Jordan was talking this morning, uh, so far what he was saying about Paul's life I was sitting there going wow never really thought about it but you know I was raised with the knowledge I was raised with the understanding of 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 who Christ is and, and what he does for us and what he did for us so it wasn't anything new it wasn't anything miraculous when I made that decision at the age of 10 years old to to give my life to Christ I said you know what I think I'm ready. I know who Jesus is, and this is is a pretty cool thing. I made the decision at, at church camp, came home, told my parents, was baptized about a couple weeks later at the age of 10. Let's just say it wasn't until about the age of 20 that I realized what being a follower of Christ really was. It took 10 years, or more, actually. It took more than that. See, I, I grew up, you were talking about hanging on to things. There's a lot of bitter, a lot of anger uh, in, in here. And for various reasons that I don't have, like I said, I don't have 10, I only have 10 minutes. I don't have enough time to go into those details. But to keep things kind of, kind of short uh, today, those things grabbed a hold of me as I, as I got older. And, and I went down that path. That Maybe some of you have. Maybe, maybe some of you have, have gone down that path where I know, I know who Jesus is and I, I, I know this foundation. I have this foundation, but you know what? I've lived my whole life hearing this story and nothing, nothing in here has changed. And so I was like, you know what? Maybe it's not for me. So I kind of took that instead of the, the straight path, I kind of followed the crowd took the interstate, so to speak, and let's just say there was, I was headed for a life that if I continued that life, I wouldn't be standing here today. I probably would have been dead by the age of,
0: hmm,
1: let's be, be real, probably 25. I'm 42. Let's just say I made some very poor decisions. Uh, it was about, about, about the age of 18. There's about three or four stretch, uh, three or four year stretch there where it was ugly. It was, it was, it was not pretty. Um, Now, I wasn't like a criminal. I didn't, I don't have a a criminal background, but I made some poor choices that let's just say that um, I'm lucky to be alive, Um, stupid choices, dumb choices, choices that in the moment, I didn't, wasn't aware I was making those choices. And there was time after time after time where uh, I shouldn't have seen the daylight of the next day. Then one night, um, I was about the age of 20, maybe 19, I don't remember. It's kind of one of those things that after you've experienced it and after you kind of Move forward, it gets put in that back part of your brain where you really just don't want to remember it, and so God kind of develops this point in our brain where we remember what happened, but we don't remember the details. Let's just say I was at a party one night with some friends, and I drank too much, way too much. Got in a fight with one of my really good friends, and I said, "I'm out of here. This is stupid. I don't want to fight you." He wanted to fight me for some stupid reasons, probably over a girl, or who knows? Let's just say I got behind the the, the wheel of a car, had no business, no business driving a vehicle, no business walking a straight line. I couldn't walk down this aisle without bumping into one of you. It was a 30-minute drive home. I lived out in the middle of the country, out near Armstrong, and I was here in town. And I remember nothing about that drive home. Because I didn't go home. How many of you know where Rankin is? Rankin, Illinois? Rankin was about, oh, 20 minutes north of my house. Okay? Almost exactly 20 minutes north of my house. All of a sudden, I wake up. I'm at the Casey's in Rankin. And I live 20 minutes south of Rankin. How I ended up there, I have no idea. I have no idea if I, what happened. And all of a sudden, it was, it was this moment in my life where I feel that it's kind of a Paul moment where Jesus just kind of appeared. I, I mean, I don't, I don't remember physically seeing him, but I, I knew it was him. Um, it, it was one of those feelings that I just woke up. had no idea. How I got there, scared to death. So I don't know if any of you've ever been in that in that state, but sitting behind the wheel of a car and then having this this moment, what's the first thing that is gonna go through my head? One, how did I get here? Two, did I hurt anybody? I have no idea. I could have I could have killed someone on the road and not had a clue as to whether or not they were a lot like I did it. I had no idea. Sitting there in the Casey's rank and Rankin, to make this long, long story shorter, um, I had this moment where it just felt like Jesus was saying, Hey, wake up. I didn't know it was him. At the moment, I didn't know it was him. I just knew, Wow, how does someone sober up like that? I was. I don't know if it was out of fear. Probably. Jesus shook my life at that moment. But then that night I got home. I laid there in bed. And I started thinking, man, he has given me chance after chance after chance. easier to get emotional in front of people you don't know. (laughs) So I laid there and I said, something's something's got to change. Give me a minute. Stare at the wall long enough it goes away. So at that moment I decided Something's got to change, and I'm, I'm going to be honest, it wasn't this, it wasn't this miraculous, like the very next day, complete 360. It wasn't it was oh, let's see another two or three years, so to speak, okay I, um, I wrestled with a lot. I had in that span, I, I kind of fell away from, from being involved in church. I was in college so any college kids knows that. that's, that's really easy to do, it's really easy to do at that age, and, um, one weekend, one weekend, I happened to, uh, visit my, my stepbrother at college, and I found out, out of, this is, this is kind of a funny story, so, my wife, Aubrey, um, we dated in high school, okay, um, I broke her heart in high school. I didn't just break it. She always says, I ripped it out, stomped on it, tore it to pieces, put a stick of dynamite in it, and blew it up. It happens. Didn't talk for five years. Ran into her at college. We didn't even go to the same college. I went to Western Illinois. She went to Illinois State. And it was about that time where I was really wrestling with things in in my life that I found out that, My stepbrother's girlfriend at the time was her roommate. And I was like, whoa, this is weird. I haven't seen her for five years. Wonder if she's still, you know, as good looking as she was then. So 3 o'clock in the morning, we're sitting in my stepbrother's apartment, and I call her 3 o'clock in the morning. She wasn't, well, if she was home, she was asleep. I left this big, long, elaborate message on the answering machine, and all she got was... Hey, Aubrey, this is Brian. That's all it recorded. I don't know. Was... So she's like, what in the world? So the very next day, long story short, we ran into each other. We started talking. We kind of rekindled that friendship that we had. And not, neither one of us at that point in our life was looking for a true relationship. But it, but it, it formed into that. Next thing you know, I'm going to illinois state about every weekend or every other weekend to see her she was really and, and at that moment this is kind of a cool story too because at that moment in college she had given her life to christ she was really involved like model like man wow this girl's got it going on she's she's what what everybody wants to be like as a christian so i, I credit the fact that god put me back uh, put her not me she didn't need me put her back in my life um because he had a plan started going to church with her um and that was really where I kind of got back on the right path um and next thing you know we are married start having kids um and it was God I had no idea what God had planned for me in my life had no clue um when we got married, after I graduated, I came back, came, came back home, we got married, and I couldn't find a job, what I went to school for. You have to live in a big city for that, and I realized that I'm not a big city person. Looked and looked and looked. We got really involved at, at Crossroads uh, with the youth, and I just felt God calling me to, to do something, to share my experiences. It's kind of one of those where we all have those experiences where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I mean, good experiences. Do this. It was great. Mine's the opposite. Mine's like, don't do this because this is the life that it's going to lead to, and man, it's not very fun. So out of chance, not out of chance, there's nothing out of chance. God uh, just laid it on my heart to work with kids. And I entered into to youth ministry, spent 14 years there, and now I'm with FCA, still working with kids, but more in a specific arena. But I always, I always say this, to, to end my story, is thankfully I had a foundation. Thankfully my, my, my parents built, instilled in me that, that rock-solid foundation. Because... As I grew older, and the house was being built, tornado tore it apart. Good thing is the foundation was still there to rebuild on. And I, I you know, I, I credit so many people—not um, myself, not myself by any means—for where I'm at now. Um, and you know, that's the thing is I'm not perfect still am not perfect, still work in progress. You ask those that are closest to me, I wrestle with things. I still do. Um, But I talk about them, I'm I'm open about them. Um, I'm not the perfect parent. My Facebook posts, if you see them, they're not all like, oh man, this guy's got his life together. Nope, if you saw home, you would be like, yeah, uh uh-huh. But that's the Midwestern world that we live in. We like to hide a lot of that. But he was talking about being vulnerable and being transparent. And, and that's been kind of my ministry, is to, to be transparent with people, to, to share, hey, this is, this is this is the life that a lot of people, the, the direction they go in our world. But thankfully, if you have a foundation, if you have a firm foundation in Christ, it's 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 a wonderful feeling when when you know That he meets you where you're at. Because a lot of the misconception in the world is that we got to turn around. We got to get everything perfect in order for us to to meet Jesus. And that's honestly false. Jesus will meet us right where we're at. So that's my story. If you want to know more in detail, I will be glad to share it. Um, But uh, like I said, it's it's a long story and I took way longer than 10 minutes, and I apologize, Um, but again, just want to thank you for the opportunity, and like I said, it's not a story of miraculous, Holy Spirit-changing world. It's a story of redemption, and that's what Jesus does
0: for us, so thank you. Thank you, Brian. When I was talking about vulnerability, I think that's a a great example of, like, when we hear that story, we don't look and go, like, man, teenage Brian, young adult Brian is a real drunk. That's not our response to that. Our response to that is going, like, God is so good. God is so good to to rescue and to redeem. Um, Now, you might be sitting there and going, okay, that's that's awesome, what God did in his life, and... uh, and you might be, like, me going, but I, I don't really have, like, a story of, like, miraculous transformation of, like, God delivering me from something really uh, dark and allowing me to then to then follow him. Um, and that's kind of the boat I had always, like, growing up, uh, that's the camp I would always fall in of, like, I don't. I don't have a testimony, I grew up in church, but dad was an elder, like he did all the stuff. Um, but I want to encourage you, we're going to hear another story of, uh, we all have an opportunity to continually share a testimony of, hey, here's something God has been teaching me lately. So I want to invite Ari uh, to come share, and um, who was it? Oh, I was talking, I was golfing with Nathan on Friday, and he thought it was really funny that uh, <laughs> uh, uh, the person who was older is sharing a a testimony of here's how God delivered me. And the person who is younger is sharing a testimony of here's something God taught me lately. Uh, But I think that's a beautiful expression of uh, where our church is at. So Ari's going to share a story of here's something that God has taught me in the past year. And again, I don't want us to view this as an example of like, oh, that was cool that she shared a story. Like this is something if God taught Ari, he could teach us that same thing here today. So take it past the the point of that was a neat story. Uh, But yeah, all right, here you go. Thank you.
2: So when Jordan asked me to share my experiences at Asbury, I was really excited but also very hesitant because it feels almost impossible to describe um, just how powerful God and the Holy Spirit is. So bear with me and I hope that you can um, just understand how real and tangible God is. For some background information, if you don't know what Asbury Revival was, it took place at a college. It started with some college students at a prayer meeting, and they felt the Holy Spirit moving and decided to start worshiping, and they never stopped. This almost nonstop worship lasted for 400 hours, or 16 days, and people flooded to Asbury to experience this, and I'm very blessed to be one of the people that got to experience it. So in a last minute decision, we went to Asbury, and we stayed in a hotel, and the night of, Kurt actually told us, he was like, people are like, lined way outside the door at 6 a.m., so you need to get there early, which we're very thankful for that, otherwise we would have missed it. So we stood in line for about four hours, and we did not even know for sure if we were gonna get in. And we were excited, but I was like so unsure on what to expect and what people were calling a revival. While waiting, a group of teenagers got together outside like we were just in this giant line outside and the teenagers just like flooded and gotten together in a group and just started singing songs by maverick city and as we sang people flooded to join and i thought this has to be what heaven feels like god's children just coming together unplanned to love and worship god and even here in the unplanned waiting of the day the spirit just lingered so heavily so we waited for about five hours to get to walk into the balcony of a room filled with thousands of people and there was no huge sound systems, and there was, it was not like a church with the flashing lights or anything like that, and none of this was needed for the Holy Spirit to move. Looking around, there was a heavy feeling, a feeling that tugged my heart and took everything off my mind, and all I could think about was just that all these thousands of people were in this room for the same reason, to experience Jesus and the Holy Spirit, something so unexplainable. When a man, some kind of leader at Asbury, came to talk before it started, he like, started by asking, how many of the people in the room traveled from out of state. And to my surprise, like, almost everybody rose their hand that they were from out of state. And then he asked, um, how many of you here are from out of the country? And I thought, like, no way people traveled out of the country to this small little state. Like, but they did. There was like about 50 or more people that raised their hand that they were from out of the country. And so I looked around, and people from everywhere, all different nations, ethnicities, backgrounds, all t- gathered together in this building. And we started singing, and a family about two rows down from us, they were actually singing in their own language. <laughs> like, I had no clue what they were saying, but, and I don't think they understood the lady singing, but I do fully believe that they were experiencing the same Holy Spirit that was flooding my heart, even bringing me to tears. And this is such an amazing picture of heaven, too. People with all different stories and backgrounds coming together to worship and lift up the one true God. Not worrying about the church they went to or arguing about theology, but coming together as God's children to worship. In between worship sessions, there was prayer and testimonies. And there was an altar where people continuously came and prayed, and they repented of their past. And these unplanned testimonies were of people who just felt called to share, like they weren't planned speakers or anything like that. And a kid there, this is just a story that really affected me, um, a kid there came up and shared his testimony. And He talked about how he had gotten into some heavy drugs about three years ago with his friends. And he went to church his whole life, but he was just not living for God. And after a heavy day of worship and feeling God's callings, this boy's life was changed. He repented and told his parents and a leader so that they could help keep him accountable. And at the time of his testimony, he had had been clean for three months and said it had never, ever would have happened without God. Then a leader asked this boy if he would be willing to pray for others in the room, bound to these same issues. And he prayed willingly, and he witnessed to others and set so many people free. We should also be repenting continuously and striving to encourage others and keep each other accountable. This is what I believe God wants for our churches and for our lives. He wants us to get out of our comfort zones, and he wants, he wants us to live our lives fully for him. We can, when we come to church as a routine and think of it just as something that we have to check off the list, then I think we are doing something wrong. This cannot be the normal in our church. The utterly uncontainable presence of God should be the normality. We've been talking past Sundays about how walking with God and being connected to him is so important. And I believe that there is so much fruit that comes from walking intimately with God. When we listen and follow his callings in our lives, he not only transforms us, but he moves us in ways that are unimaginable. And I promise you that God is waiting for this face-to-face relationship with you. I want to encourage you to dive deeper into Jesus and what he has for you, and I want, you to, I want to encourage you to pray for revival in other people around you and in people um, that you're close to, and even for yourself, and I want also want to let you know that um, if you have not felt the presence of God recently, I encourage you to ask God to fill you with the spirit and help you feel the presence in such a beautiful and tangible way. I learned to not just think of God as the man upstairs that I pray to and read about, but someone that transforms me and is moving in my life daily. And when I feel convicted of my sin or I feel too heavy at the moment, He transforms me and is moving in my life daily. And when I cry out to Jesus and tell Him that I need Him by my side and I don't know where the next step is, He comforts me and He loves me beyond my understanding. I hope and pray for you all also that you can take this step to love God more and really strive to deepen your relationship with him and long for his presence in your life daily. I also want you to know that revival is not in a set place with a set people, but revival can happen right here at Connection. Revival does not come from us at church, but comes from the power that is found in Christ Jesus. I said several times at Asbury, the world is desperate need to see the church unified. And the only way we can do this is through the Holy Spirit. This is heaven on earth. We are challenged to leave Asbury broken and change for life and take this revival back with us. My prayer is that you would leave today challenged, broken for Jesus, and with the expectation that this is what church is supposed to be.
0: It's two examples one of, like, you shall God save me. One of here, here's what God taught me. Both incredible uh, testimonies of who God is and how he's working. Um, and so here's my challenge for us. We're going to close with a, a worship song. Um, but here's my challenge for us. I want us to begin the process of thinking through what is, what is our testimony? And maybe it's a testimony of salvation and how God redeemed us and picked us up, scooped us up like we talked about. Uh, and maybe it's a testimony of, you know what, over the past month, God has really been laying this on my heart. And, and here's, a, here's a truth that uh, he's been constantly putting before me. And here's a way that I'm growing and being transformed. Either one. But here's what I want us to think through. Every testimony is comprised of the same structure. It's the before And then you encounter God, and God is powerful, God is strong, God is gracious, God is good, God is merciful, and you encounter all of those things, and then there's a transformation. There's a before, an encounter with God, and then a transformation. A before, an encounter with God, and a transformation. Uh, I've got back on that back table uh, a worksheet, and it might seem super academic, but just something I, I've made up to, to help us think through and process through what might be a testimony that we can share from how God is working in our life. Just like Paul did, just like Brian did, just like Ari did, just like so many of others have done. How can we share how God has worked or is working currently in our life? And so I want to encourage you, grab that. I would love, I would love, I would love, once you fill that out, uh, once you think through it, shoot me an email, shoot me a text, uh, say, can I, can I sit down with you and share? There's, there's too many of us for me to, to go around individually, so I'm going to rely on you to come to me and say, can I share uh, my testimony with you, Jordan? Can I share what God's been teaching me? Can I share how God has saved me? And then if you're uh, thinking through it and you're like, I don't know if I have a before an encounter uh, and then a transformation. Let's let that be our starting point. We talked about the beginning. Ari talked about it. Like it's, God's accessible. It's not far. It's not hard to find. It's not playing hard to get. The moment is right for an encounter with the Lord. So be thinking through as we sing this song, as we sing about God's faithfulness, be thinking through what your testimony is. And we'll declare those truths to one another, spur one another on towards faithfulness. So we pray with me. Father, we are grateful. We're grateful that that you've met us here. We're grateful for the ways that we've heard your word proclaimed today, both through the reading of scripture and through testimonies of the saints. So be glorified. Help draw to mind uh, the ways that you've worked in our lives. And then help us bear witness to one another what those ways are. We'll give you the honor, the glory, and the praise forever, ever, and ever.
1: Amen.